0: Welcome to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. All right. Well, I am really happy to be here with Mr. Ben Stott. He is a second degree black belt. Is that right? Yes, sir. He is an instructor at Ripple Effect Martial Arts. Thank you, Mr. Stott, for being with us.
1: Yeah, thank you for having me on.
0: Wanna start off by asking, how did you get your start in the martial arts? I kind of think I know a little bit but did you start at ripple effect or had you had any martial arts experience before that
1: I did um very very little Uh, I think I was around four and my mom got me started at like the rec center in Windsor where I live and uh, I uh, wasn't a big fan of it okay why a little I was a little young and you know I was had a really close connection with my mom and uh, I didn't like being separated from her (laughs) Wow, okay. And so, and then um, fast forward uh, seven years when I was 10, my sister won, I think, a free month at Ripple Effect. And the intro was right after school. And um, I didn't really have a choice to go because <laughs> it was like right after school. And, uh, you know, I got there and I met the instructors and, you know, I did a little bit of the intro, but I was still like unsure about it. And then during the second class I was watching and, uh, you know, I already had my shoes off and then someone convinced me to just hop on out and do it.
0: What, what did it feel like to, I love how you say that, by the way, I already had my shoes off. And <laughs> so it took a little convincing. You are an instructor and you've been instructing as a junior instructor. And for the past year, as a full instructor, you've seen a lot of what you experienced as a 10 year old with other kids coming on the mat for the first time. Do you, do you find that, that there are kids who are hesitant?
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, especially like I've seen in intros, uh, we get, uh, siblings as well, kind of like the same experience that I had, um, with my family at the time. And, uh, you know, there are some that, They'll just watch, and there are some that, you know, they'll hop on out and actually try
0: it with their sibling. For listeners who don't know about the intro process that Mr. Stott's referring to, that's a private lesson, essentially. And can you describe that? What is an intro lesson? Someone is really coming into the school maybe for the very first time. What happens?
1: Yeah, so an intro essentially is, you know, you come in, you get to meet the instructors and everything. We give you a tour around the school. Um, And then we go into a room privately and then we just, you know, we go over some of the rules and everything and do some of the punches and kicks that we teach at White Belt as well. When
0: you were learning your first, during your first lesson, what do you remember about that? You are actually on the mat now and what was it like?
1: Um, The intro, I remember I was very like, uh, like up front with my mom, like, okay, I'm not going to do this. I'm just watching and then I get out there, or I get, you know, we're in the back room and everything, and um, I'm ta- I see my mom and my sister do it, and, and then I decide, you know, I'll do a couple of these moves with them. They look kind of interesting. I'll try them. I think I did maybe two of the four moves that they showed us, and then when I got onto the mat, it was like towards the end of the class, like I was watching my, when I was watching my mom and my sister get their white belts, was when I decided that, okay, I'll do this.
0: That's interesting. So I want to know about what were the two moves that you didn't do? Um, I want to say it was the front punch and
1: the front kick that I did not do. Okay. And I don't know why.
0: It's interesting. I mean, as a 10-year-old, that's a lot of pressure, really, just to try to – you have an instinct. I'm not sure if I want to try this. I'm trying it. I'm not sure if I want how do I do this? It's a lot of pressure. Has karate since, like you said, it's been seven years. Have you, do you feel like martial arts has helped you deal with pressure?
1: Um. Yeah. Yeah. In some ways. Um, and then another thing too, uh, with that is I was never, especially at that time, you know, when I was 10, wasn't the most athletic back then. And uh, so when I actually uh, joined, I was thinking, and this was like the main factor that got me to stay.
0: Was this is a sport that I like, that I can actually do? Expand on that a little bit. You you weren't great on those, were you? Great at martial arts when you were in those first months? No, <laughs> I, was, I
1: wasn't that great. I was though. It was something that I knew I could get better at, something I could learn, and something I could improve on. Because yeah. it didn't
0: kicking a soccer ball around (laughs) but it requires kicking some other things around right and what did it have to do with what why why did you feel inspired to or motivated to continue I don't know I guess it was just um it felt like a sport that suited me and that's why I was it have anything to do with the instructors did you have any role models do you remember that back yes then? yes um,
1: the instructors there mainly uh, mr robinson was a big role model he was the first instructor i ever met there he did my first intro and he was a big mentor to me all the way up to all the way up to now <laughs> what,
0: what are some qualities about mr robinson what do you what do you think of back then or now what are some qualities that he exhibits as a teacher that help you
1: I don't know he he was uh, he was fun engaging like when I was student under him like when I first met him at the intro I was like okay this this seems a little different than when I did this seven year or when I was like four and uh, Mr. Robinson had a big big part in that as well and um you know once I got up to training as an instructor he was a big role model for me there too just you know, how he could be, you know, fun with the students and in the class and everything, but still, you know, could bring the discipline on when it was needed. And that was something I was wor- trying to work on too.
0: Did you feel like you needed that discipline? Was there some sense back then? Like, I maybe I, I need this. I need someone to push me. Or was that more your mom? <laughs> um, I guess once I
1: got on there, And, you know, I had my family and I was doing it with them and everything. I, it was always, I was a really quick learner with some of this stuff and I picked it up really quick. So I would always like peek ahead at the the next bell and try and learn that ahead of time. Wow. That caught up to me in prep cycle though.
0: (laughs) Give me and everyone listening your impression of prep cycle. What is that?
1: It was a change. It was a, it was a big change. Um, I was definitely more used to, to being on my own, doing my own thing, you know, going at my pace when I do my forms or combinations and a uh, prep cycle really had me slow down and focus more on not just knowing it, but having the
0: technique part of it there too. For the benefit of listeners who don't know, What Mr. Stott is describing is on the route, essentially three years of martial arts training before you enter this prep cycle, preparatory cycle is what that's short for. To train for your black belt, you are responsible essentially for your own development. I mean, you described that well, you're studying on your own and you're responsible for your own advancement.
1: Yeah, yeah. And I think it comes down to, like, a, a lot a lot of the belts as well, that, um, you know, you're responsible for, you know, practicing your underbelt stuff and everything for tests coming up because we, we can only show you so much in class and everything. You do so much. And um, the, when you're in prep cycle as well, you do have that team as well, your team of people in your group, and they really help push you and you help push them, and then, you know, you all get to black belt
0: together and everything. Did you – I'm trying to remember, did you enter prep cycle with your sister and your mom? I did. I did. Um, I was in prep cycle. My whole family was in there. Uh, what was life like at home? I, I remember for me, it was karate 24 seven, pretty much, uh, at least in your, in my mind for those months. And I imagine for you, it, Everybody must have been pushing each other, right? Do we know our weapons forms? Do we know this? What was it like?
1: Well, the dynamic at home during uh,
0: that time was,
1: it was it was interesting because um, we had, uh, well, myself, I remembered a lot of those things. I remembered how to do all the forms and everything, and the combos um, we had. And then my mom, and my sister, um, they would ask
0: me and we would all practice together, though. What's it like? to teach kids as an instructor and understand where they're going do you envision them as a black belt even when they're young and starting
1: yeah yeah um especially like there are certain students that like i've taught their intro before and they've grown so much in like the few months i've gotten to know them and they've been training with us and they're at like high gold belt, gold belt, stuff around there. And I'm like, it feels like yesterday that I like just
0: taught your intro and now you're moving up. Wow. And in in three and a half years, you'll be at their black belt test. (laughs) Did I just blow your mind? So you're 17 now. I'm doing the math here. (laughs) And for a high schooler, for a teenager, that is an incredible amount of responsibility. (laughs) Yes, it is. How does it feel? Do you enjoy having that kind of responsibility?
1: I will say, when I first got out there and you know was starting to teach, like I would, I would help my family and everything. And, you know, I would help them, you know, remember what the next move of the form was or what this combination was. And I was used to that because they're my family and everything. When I started teaching, it was um, it was definitely a different experience, and uh, there was a little more pressure. And so it was definitely interesting just uh, making sure
0: I didn't screw anything up. <laughs> I'm sure you've had experiences where you maybe your mind went blank or you did mess something up or you set a wrong move or something like that. How does owning your mistakes come into play when you're an instructor for you?
1: I used to I used to take it a little little harder, like what I would mess up something in class or I would like uh, miss speak on a move or something. to take myself a little harder than that. And, um, I tried, though, I tried not to you know, show it to the students or everything. Or I still tried to give off, you know, that I am confident. I do know what I'm doing. And then, um, once I, and then now it's just, I can just laugh that off and
0: move on. Do you feel like your instruction becomes stronger through going through that kind of experience? yes yes especially um like looking back on it
1: looking back on the past couple of years i've been teaching like more from when i first started to now i was a lot more i don't want to say paranoid but i guess that's the best word i could find for that yeah I had a lot more nerves i was a little more nervous starting to teach there you go there's there's a better word for it i was a little more nervous at the time and wasn't as confident in my teaching
0: as I am now. I feel like there are two kind of spans of anticipation of making a mistake. And some kids don't have that fear at all. They will just go out, whether it's karate or anything else, and try things. They aren't afraid to speak in front of people. They're very outgoing. And then some kids are on the opposite end. I tend to to find myself there. Where I'm terrified of making a mistake. I don't want to do anything unless I know I can do it perfectly, and that's kind of an unreal expectation. And it sounds like you maybe fell on that sort of end too. It was
1: yeah, I, I that I never thought of it like that before, but that's a good um, way to, to put it. No, I was definitely on that side a little more when I first started teaching.
0: Does that confidence translate into your life at school or with your friends or?
1: Um. Yeah. Actually, in some ways, um, I took a public speaking class uh, last semester. You know, I got an A on every one of my speeches. I just went up there and spoke.
0: <laughs> on that's an amazing accomplishment. It, that's that's really hard to do. What did you? What's a topic, for example, that you spoke on? Let's see. I spoke on a, I, I talked about one of my favorite cars during one of my
1: speeches. A Chevy Camaro. Okay. What year Camaro? Or was it? On- um, uh, well, I mostly did like Camaros throughout the, the years, though. My personal favorite is a, uh, like the mid to late 70s, early 80s one.
0: Nice. It's one I like. <laughs> wow, that's fun. Describe what it's like to be in front of an audience of students. And back before COVID, that could have been 4050. Oh, yeah. yeah. Um, and then a parlor of onlookers too, right? The parents and grandparents and friends and everything. What What's that like to give a match chat?
1: Yeah, um, so a match chat is essentially where everyone comes in and, you know, we, we talk about something, whether it's the word of the month or sometimes you go over the word of the belt too. And um, we just talk and then we, we get the students to talk and give some of their input too. Yeah, that's something too. It's like, it's
0: like a little mini, little mini speech. And that's part of what makes them challenging, right? Because some of the students on the mat could be as young as five, and it's a little bit of philosophy that you're delivering that's relevant to martial arts training, as you're trying to keep the attention of listeners, which is challenging.
1: Usually, kind of what I what I did was um, I would, uh, you know, kind of talk about what it is, kind of tie it back into kind of my life a little bit, or give an example of it and then see if I can get any of the students to come up with an example of whatever the topic we're talking about and how that relates to um, you know them, or if they can come up with an example of it.
0: For an example, last month, the word of the month was flexibility. If you were g- delivering a match at on flexibility, what's something that you would ask of students?
1: You know, I'd started out with, um, you know, just like talk about flexibility, not how it relates to physically with martial arts, you know, all the kicks and everything. And then I'll talk about how it is mentally, like, you know, how I have to be mentally flexible and adapt to things as well. And uh, this is something that I heard from, like, another one of the instructors doing a match chat on the same topic. You know, how I had to be mentally flexible with everything going on because, well, last last month um, was when COVID, a year ago was when COVID started. And we had to adapt and be flexible for all the changes that happened from that with the masks and social distancing. And... Training from online, from home too.
0: For that half circle of kids and adults taking a knee, listening to you, you're challenging them to think about that. How, what are some ways I need to be flexible? And boom, I'm listening to you and having to think about what are some ways I need to be flexible? What are some ways I'm inflexible?
1: And then I'm um, like, yeah, pre-COVID when I was doing uh, the match and everything, like, I get a ton of kids that would just like on certain, like word like word of the month or something that would just raise their hand and I'd have a whole bunch of them that
0: would uh, raise their hand and want to give an example of something. Moving into another aspect of martial arts training and black belt training is sparring. And while that has changed some during, during COVID, what's your memory of Starting to spar, putting on pads, understanding that
1: I was a gold belt okay um at the time and and I just started sparring and uh was not great at it. Um I remember I don't remember much from that day. All I remember basically was I was a gold belt starting to spar and everything and um you know as time and I liked it, I liked it. It was fun. And then as I moved on, um I sparred in tournaments and then when I got On competition team, I sparred in that, too. I I was never the greatest at sparring, but it was fun, and I, I liked it.
0: What's it like being on the competition team and sparring against... For people who don't know, the competition team at Ripple Effect Martial Arts is a select group of students that, like the name implies, compete with other schools from... The state or how how regionally
1: i'm i think it is throughout the
0: state and it's not just
1: uh, taekwondo the style we do though like i in my for instance in my division i've competed with guys that um
0: do Kempo and a bunch of other styles too so that is a whole new level of challenge right you're encountering new cultures and languages and styles of fighting, essentially, that you don't necessarily know how to anticipate or deal with. What's it like stepping out, bowing in, do a sparring match with someone that you don't know?
1: It's interesting, and I know I know the match is going to be fun and everything. I've competed on competition team. I did three uh, years. I did 2015, 2016, and then 2019. When I competed in 2015 and 2016, you know, I got to know a little, and I got to recognize some of the competitors that I would usually compete with and then once i got back out there in
0: 2019 i saw the same people and i was like oh i remember competing against you three years ago something that somebody told me recently was that you really get to know someone when you spar them do you feel like that
1: yeah yeah um and uh you know afterwards uh you know we high-five each other and tell each other good job and everything and then uh you know, off this on the sidelines, we'll talk a little bit, and even like during forms too. Like we'll do that too sometimes. What's your style in sparring? I like to fight more with my hands. I like because I feel like my hands are faster than my legs. I mean, I'll I'll do like a front leg round kick. That's my favorite kick because it's quick. Though, um, just getting in and just getting in with my hands. That's what I like to do. This was a tournament. I think I want to say summer twenty nineteen. Uh, me and this one guy were sparring and uh, I took a, a really good front kick to the to the chin and uh, it was all bruised up and everything. And uh, I couldn't tell how bad it was. I had the whole uh, competition team standing there and they were looking at it and everything. And I was like, oh, what's so bad? I got back up and I finished the match and then and then uh, <laughs> I took my phone out and looked at it. And I was like, oh, that's what people were, were looking at because it was all
0: bruised up on my whole chin and everything. <laughs> Little badge of honor.
1: Yeah, yeah, that was my that was my trophy for the day. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Putting yourself at risk is is part of it. W- would you think that's true?
1: Yeah, yeah. Um, just like when we do weapons like nunchucks, for instance, first one that comes to mind, or bow staff, when we do all the tricks and everything, it, it's just a part of it that sometimes you know the nunchucks going to whack you, or the bow staff when you're trying to you know spit it on top of your head is going to fall. Mm-hmm. And it, it may hit you and you're going to get hurt, but that's that's a part of it. And sparring, I feel, is the same way as well. Like, I mean, we, we teach the students, you know, control and not to hit that hard, especially to the head and everything. But there are times where accidentally that, that would happen and that's just a part of it.
0: What did you learn to control? We talked a little bit about that, like controlling fear, controlling a, a, a worry that you'll fail or something. What what have you seen as an instructor in your teaching? Um, how have you used martial arts to help kids come under control of their own impulses?
1: Yeah, you want to talk, you want to give the instructions, you want to be clear. But at the same time, it is a class full of a bunch of eight-year-olds and six-year-olds and stuff like that. And they, they, they probably won't stay still. So it's just finding the balance of um, giving clear enough instructions, but not just like boring them.
0: Where they'll start to fidget and I lose their attention entirely. Do you have any martial arts heroes in fiction or in comic books or in video games? That's interesting.
1: I guess the uh, closest thing I could find is uh, like Cobra Kai. Like
0: okay. I was,
1: I was watching. I was watching that. Um, I did stay up till midnight on January first and uh, watched, well, binge the first season. For, for third season yeah and uh you know i, I, I like the i got used to some of the characters um for those of you who have seen cobra kai it takes place uh 34 years after the original karate kid movie johnny lawrence the guy that i lost to the crane kick in the tournament at the end of the movie you know he's trying to you know find his place as an instructor and everything too. reopening cobra kai and uh he's a lot more old school than <laughs> You know i was but then again uh he's still living in the 80s i'm
0: i was not born then so <laughs> i was actually and i i recall very vividly the karate kid it's interesting watching cobra kai now and just thinking back wow <laughs> times have changed a lot but they preserve yeah. a lot about that spirit the kid the, like some of the main characters are in that like high school
1: level junior senior age group as well and uh interesting seeing the perspective of uh, the uh, original Karate Kid rivalry
0: through them as well. To To finish out, what would you say to anyone who might be listening, who's thinking, do I want to enroll my kid or do I want to enroll myself in a martial arts program? Is there anything that you would say to them that was honest about your experience and your expectation that might encourage them to Start at white belt.
1: Yeah, I, to anyone starting out or thinking of starting out or anything, I'd just say, uh, just just do it. It was a great experience for me. It was something that I found that, you know, I really enjoyed, and it was it felt like a sport that I could do. There, w- there will be a few challenges along your way to black belt, though. It is a very rewarding and uh,
0: good process. Thank you for listening to the Ripple Effect Martial Arts Podcast. Find episodes and more at rippleeffectmartialarts.com.